Hello, and welcome back to the podcast where I sit down with women that are in our network. I chat with women that are leading the charge in their industry and have inspiring conversations that uncover how each guest has navigated their career. In today's episode, I sit down with Jennifer Grant. Jennifer is a longtime entrepreneur and the founder of Imperi, a line focused on clean and vegan skincare infused with active cannabis. Jennifer began her career as an engineer and later found herself transitioning into launching multiple companies. She is now forging a path to maximize the utility of Canadian-grown plants with Imperi. As always, I'll be leaving all of her links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hello, and you're most welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to have you. And before we get started on the questions and just talking more so about your career, I'd love to know what you're most looking forward to this week, or I guess this weekend, because tomorrow's Friday. Yeah, I actually um, am going to visit with a friend that I haven't seen in about 15 years. So I am super, I just got a text out of the blue uh, two days ago saying I'm going to be in town. And so I'm very much looking forward to reconnecting with an old friend. Yeah, those are the best. Mm -hmm. And you know, those, you know, those catch ups are going to be hours long. And I think that's so fun. Yeah, Yeah, can't wait. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you to catch up with an old friend. And, you know, before we get into your business and your company and just everything that you've done, you know, for yourself over the past, you know, few years, I'd love to get an introduction of yourself and maybe a quick little snippet of your personal background. I am a longtime entrepreneur. I started out as an engineer um, and got into business about 20 years ago. Um, Personally, I love doing um, kind of active activities. I used to play roller derby and now I'm doing some fun mountain biking. So I like to do kind of meditative activities that take my mind off my life. So I have to focus on, you know, not getting knocked over. Um, I have three kids. I love being an active member of my community and um, I really uh, feel like um, I try to make every day. I try to make the most of every day. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really great to hear that, you know, you have been a longtime entrepreneur because I'm sure you have so many nuggets that you can share with us as we go through this conversation. But what's really interesting when, you know, I was learning a little bit more about you before our interview is just the beginning of your career, starting in engineering. What was that like for you navigating from being an engineer to becoming an entrepreneur? So um, it it was not a straightforward path. Um, I I started um, as an engineer in the early 90s, and there weren't a ton of um, opportunities where you could manage that work-life balance effectively. Um, So I actually left my job as an engineer um, to be home with my kids 
which to this day has been the my favorite job of my whole life. And I got to work with them. I got to I got to stay with them at home for about four years. And um, when I started to think about what I wanted to do next, and um, if I went back to a full-time job as an engineer, I would be in an office nine to five. And there, back in the '90s, there were not really effective ways to job share or work four days a week. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't really available. So I thought I would start a business, and started by landing on a concept, and then sketching out a business plan and looking for some seed funding, and really learned a lot along the way. Asked a ton of questions, was always amazed by how people were so willing to help, and just kind of day by day, little by little, was able to build my first small business. When you first started your company, did you find that there was a big learning curve in terms of just getting into the world of entrepreneurship when it comes to, you know, funding and scaling your business, what was your experience like with that? So there was a huge learning curve, you know, um, there were things that I loved about it. I loved product development. I loved working on the marketing, but when it came to, you know, financial statements and negotiating term sheets, all of that stuff was, was a really fast education. Um, so yeah, sure. It was a, it was a bumpy road and I learned a lot. Um, but there was, there was always someone willing to answer a question if I picked up the phone. Right. Yeah. And I think too, now with entrepreneurship, especially, you know, in the world of like female entrepreneurs, a lot of females are more open to, you know, giving advice and giving feedback. And I think it's so lovely to see that, you know, it is what it is now. But, you know, back then when you were starting your company, was it different from, you know, what you're seeing now in the industry? Absolutely. Yeah, it was. There weren't a lot of female mentors back when I started, but I still had great mentors. I still had great people that I could reach out to. Um, Early on in my career, I got involved with the CBC show, The Dragon's Den, and um, the networking opportunities through that show were phenomenal. I met some really great business leaders. I got hooked up with some, uh, you know, Jim Tree Living from Boston Pizza and met kind of his network of, of advisors and um, was able to learn so much through that process. So that was really a stroke of luck for me early on was that I, I got connected to that network. Before that, I was a part of um, the London Small Business Center had a program for uh, small businesses that were just starting up, and they helped me write a business plan, and I learned a lot through them. They had some free courses, uh, and it was actually through the Small Business Center in London that I heard about the Dragon's Den. Oh, wow. um, and I remember the Small Business Center saying over and over again how important networking was. And honestly, that's like the number one thing that I got from that program was the the value of networking. And once I was able to um, connect with some other businesses through the show, The Dragon's Den, that really helped my education as an entrepreneur really uh, accelerated it. Right. And I think too, with mentorship and networking, I think, you know, if we were to look five years, not even five years, like two years ago, a lot of networking was in person. You would go to a cocktail hour or it was very much a lot of FaceTime. And I think with 
COVID and the pandemic, something that stemmed from that, which I believe to be a positive is being able to mentor one-on-one over Zoom or Google Hangouts and, you know, just doing what we're doing right now. And I think people who are more shy and not as not as much of an extrovert, they're still able to network and still able to gain those connections. It is such a powerful tool. And, you know, that's one of the silver linings of this whole pandemic and the craziness over the last two years is that we do have some really great tools to navigate moving forward. And I, when I think about, you know, starting a business and like you mentioned, the learning curve with just the beginning of everything, but taking it a step further and looking at growing and scaling a business, I think that's another beast of its own. What were, what was it like for you growing and scaling your first company and even now growing and scaling um, Empiri? So um, each business has really had its own uh, life when it comes to scaling. So um, with Senebal, I had about I had three or four opportunities to scale over the four years of its life. Senebal started with local distribution to a bunch of London businesses. Uh, and then th- that was kind of a test market study. Um, and then I scaled up to distribution across Ontario. So that uh, necessitated the new co-packer. Um, and then after about six months of that, um, I had to scale up to uh, support distribution across Canada. So that was a new co-packer, um, a new distributor, some new branding, new staff, more inventory and kind of each time I was able to to stepwise it slowly. So kind of London, then Ontario, then Canada. um, And I was able to manage that. After the Dragon's Den and um, the scaling went from kind of small independent stores, well, and some chains like Whole Foods, but more more independent like stores to mass market. Well, that was, you know, a combination of cash flow pressures, inventory pressures, staffing pressures, all coupled with what in hindsight was uh, an ineffective launch plan and that caused us to close our doors. So learned a lot about scaling up. My philosophy for business has been small steps. And then in Peary, it is just another beast altogether. So, you know, this is a, this is a cannabis skincare company that is a, a legal cosmetic product that is able to be on the shelves at a shopper's drug mart or a Whole Foods. But because of the way the internet uh, crawls websites, we are flagged as being a prohibited product. Um, and the ironic thing is that Health Canada says we have to call the ingredients cannabis sativa seed oil. That's the the chemical name. It's the inky name for that product. And on my ingredient listing, I have to call it that. And yet, when I call the product cannabis sativa cleansing oil, I get flagged and banned. And so it's been a a challenge. Um, I love solving complex problems. So it's um, it's been fun. And we have found some really innovative solutions to kind of get around the, the the AI of Instagram, Facebook, and we're finding some success. I can empathize with you on that because I do work with some cannabis clients um, on Snapchat and it's a difficult conversation. We've 
I think my ad policy team probably hates me because <laughs> I ping them probably every week. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to get into that afterwards. But, you know, before we get into Empiri, I'd love to know just, you know, quickly regarding investors and if it's necessary to to receive funding or seek funding and just overall what your experience has been like with investors and seeking funding. So um, your two questions around investors were really made me pause and think because I've been asking myself the same question about a theory. So, you know, is it necessary to have an investor early on? It's necessary to have sufficient capital. Early on investors can uh, be amazing, but they could also... Um, stifle creativity and innovation. So I don't think it's necessary to have um, investors early on. There's lots mm-hmm. of ways to raise capital. Um, you can bootstrap, you can find alternative funding, you can get a bank loan, Kickstarter, you know, there's all, there's, there's many different kinds of ways to fund a business. But if you've exhausted all of those opportunities and you're looking um, for an investor, what I will be looking for, um, and I guess like if you're to ask the question, how like when are you ready for an investor? Um, I think that it's probably before you've exhausted all of your other uh, financing options. You want to start thinking about um, a pitch, uh, a pitch deck, and an investment pitch deck. Mm-hmm. But you want to have a have a business that you are fairly certain that you're going to be able to demonstrate an effective ROI on their right. investment. And often investors are looking for, you know, three, two, three, five times return on their investment in five years. So if you can forecast out five years and feel pretty confident that you're going to be able to give that kind of a return to an investor, then I think you're in a really great position to look for investment. Right. And you mentioned also some qualities when it comes to a partner in a business, what are the qualities that you look for? Um, so I have had multiple partners and I've had multiple investors in my different businesses over the years. Some of my partners have been phenomenal. Some of them have been uh, very difficult and not phenomenal at all. Um, what I am looking for right now is someone that um, is somehow connected to the industry that I am serving, uh, has skin in the game already in the industry. I'm looking for someone that has more than just money to bring to the table. I'll be looking for someone that is willing to uh, buy into and improve upon the vision that I have for my business. Someone that's a good communicator. Uh, I'm fairly candid in my conversations and I'm looking for someone that um, can both receive and, and deliver candid ideas and really those soft skills. So communication, respect, empathy, looking for all of that as well. Yeah, I think those are all really important, especially when, like you mentioned, if you are looking for a partner that maybe is also an investor, I think it's a two-way street where you both have to be a good match for each other and it's not necessarily just a one-sided relationship. Yeah, I will say that I think a, a partner and an investor, as I'm sure you already know, they're very different people. So I think that uh, an investor is not necessarily going to be a good partner and a good partner might not be an investor. And to find one person that fits both roles, I think is probably quite rare. Yes. Yeah, I definitely agree. I want to get into Empiri a little bit more because I'm so interested 
One in skincare and two, how cannabis plays a role in merging the two, you know, products and benefits together. So how did Imperi come to life and what is the meaning behind the name, if you're able to share? I actually uh, launched a skincare company with a partner eight years ago. And it's a bit of a long story, but when I, I, I uh, after having kids, I had pretty severe cystic acne and found this skincare line uh, made by a woman um, in my hometown of Strathroy that I loved and started using it. And then my family decided to go away on a boat trip for a year. So we were going to put our careers on hold, take our kids, homeschool them and live on a boat for a year. And probably out of kind of stress and anxiety of how the heck are we going to do this? I thought, I can't bring my skincare system with me because the little vitamin C packs have to go in the freezer and my, you know, the tiny little freezer wasn't going to hold 400 vitamin C packs. So um, again, probably as an escape from all of the other stuff that was going on in my life, I decided to reformulate it and um, I made it shelf stable. I've always had a passion for formulation. So I took her products and I separated the water from the active ingredients because the water is what feeds life. It's what makes bacteria, fungus, and mold grow. So I did this and we went on our, our amazing one-year trip and it was fantastic and the skincare system worked really well. So when I came back, I said, listen, look what I've done with your system. It makes it so much easier to make. It makes it last a lot longer. And so she and I actually launched a new line based on these formulations. And then that's, um, I, we, we had a very different vision. My vision was was huge. And uh, Liz at the time probably wanted to keep it a little smaller. So we parted ways. And I went and did other things. And one of the things that I did was my other company, Deltec. So Deltec got into cannabis consulting. We're now kind of six years later. And I was sitting at the Lyft conference in Vancouver, Canada's biggest cannabis conference, and listening to all the keynote speakers talk about the barriers to entry in the cannabis industry. One being marketing is so difficult because you can't say anything because you're a prohibited product. So you have, you're very restricted in what you can say. Um, and two being um, the barrier to entry is, is the regulations. And that's why I was there is because we were regulatory experts. So as the day went on, I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a product that was outside of cannabis regulations, but you could use cannabis? And then I thought of adding hemp seed oil to this line that I developed eight years previous. And hemp seed oil just happens to be non-comedogenic. It doesn't clog pores. It's got all kinds of great amino acids. It's got um, omega-6s. It's just, it's great for nourishing and protecting skin. So it's a really great addition to an oil-based skincare system. And as I was putting this together, someone said to me, you know, you need to look into cannabis roots. There's something there. They've been used for, for thousands of years therapeutically, and you should look into it. And so I learned quite quickly that cannabis roots have been used in traditional Chinese mm -hmm. medicine for over a thousand years therapeutically because they are anti-inflammatory. And a lot of skin conditions, our skin, in response to environmental stressors, our skin gets inflamed. So putting cannabis roots on your skin topically legitimately reduces inflammation. So I got to work on the cannabis roots. I started um, doing some chemical analysis of the cannabis roots. I, I had read that there was a compound in it called Fritalin, which is anti-inflammatory. And sure enough, from the marijuana roots and the hemp roots that I tested, they wow. were loaded with Fritalin. So I 
figured out a way to get cannabis roots into my products and they worked really well. And so I thought, well, maybe this is the time to relaunch the line. I've got some some good, solid, scientifically, you know, proven evidence that these compounds are active. Uh, I need to get them into some skincare products because I love them. My friends love them. And I thought it was the, the perfect time to launch. And and the name, you know, I was trying to come up with a novel name so that we could have our own URL and our own Instagram handle. Um, and I had this vision mm-hmm. of having all of these EM words because I scrolling through a body and bark. And, and so I wanted an EM word. And I, I landed on the word Empyrean, which is kind of, it's a, it's a word that means bliss and it's the kind of highest echelon of paradise. And I was like, wow, that's a great name. But it sounded a little bit too much like a Star Wars destroyer. <laughs> uh, and I'm a Star Wars fan, but um, we decided to, I, I decided to shorten it to Empyrean. Mm-hmm. And my definition for Empyrean is the inner bliss that we achieve when we acknowledge that we are all one. I mean, I've had a look at, you know, some of the products on the website and just by talking to you and learning more about them, it really just opens my eyes on the world of cannabis skincare, because like you mentioned, it's not out there being marketed because you're not able to. So I think that's a really difficult challenge to have. And in terms of reaching your audience and your demographic, what has that been like for you, especially because you can't put out marketing and advertising out there? So it, it's been a, a huge challenge and we've had to get really creative. And so I feel like this last year, so uh, we launched a year ago today, and we have learned so much about the art of marketing a periphery mm-hmm. cannabis product. Mm-hmm. Um, we have come up with a strategy and we are finally um, successfully running Facebook and Instagram ads. We are doing um, an activation in a couple of weeks uh, on the Post Media Network, and we have a beautiful video that we did from a, with a, a gorgeous young model from Toronto and she um, used some of the products and that's launching um, at the end of the month and so we've just we've had to be be really creative so email marketing is super important for us because we can educate about the benefits of cannabis products without without restriction um, but yeah it's forced us to be really creative um, but it's also you know the gift at the end of all of this is we have this really great strategy of how to market uh, peripheral products so this strategy is you know would work with any any product that's kind of on the periphery mm-hmm. yeah no that's really good to hear because I know like I mentioned, there are the challenges around creative and messaging. So it's really great to hear that your team has found a way to embrace that and in Mm -hmm. a really creative way. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the benefits of cannabis briefly, and I really want to get into a little bit more about that because I think speaking for myself, I wasn't as knowledgeable on the benefits of cannabis and hemp oil. And it's really interesting because you see rosehip seed oil, argan oil, every oil in the market when it comes to skincare. But like you mentioned, it's really rare that you see hemp oil. So I'd love to know just a little bit more about benefits when it comes to, you know, different skin types or like under the skin bumps and how cannabis and hemp help with that. So um, all oils uh, fall on a comedogenic rating scale. So 
um, coconut oil, the, 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 the unrefined virgin coconut oil has a comedogenic rating of, I think, three or four, which means it will clog mm-hmm. your pores. So if you put it on your skin, it's going to make cystic acne worse. Hemp seed oil has a community, I think it's comedogenic rating is either zero or one. So it's really low, which means you can put it on your skin. It will get absorbed, but it won't clog your pores. And the great thing about hemp seed oil in an oil cleanser is that um, it is in our oil cleanser, it's paired with metafoam seed oil, which is transdermal. So it kind of brings the active ingredients into your skin. Uh, we also have, we've got, we've got a bunch of different oils in there, but what, what an oil cleanser does is it seems almost counterintuitive to put an oil on your skin to clean it, but it works so well. It dissolves all your mm-hmm. makeup. And it actually, it actually travels deep into your pores, it dissolves the dirt and sebum right. in your pores, and it pushes it out. So if you have acne, especially cystic acne, um, an oil cleanser is a wonderful, wonderful skin cleanser. It's gentle. Um, what you do is you kind of wet your skin, you massage it in and, you know, get all of your makeup off. Use a, a warm, wet cloth and take it off and your skin is left really smooth and and clean so hemp seed oil is is great for cleansing but it's also great for moisturizing there's another ingredient called a hydrolyzed hemp seed extract in our moisturizers Um, hemp seeds are a complete vegan protein so it's one of the few vegetable proteins that have all of the amino acids you need uh, for life so it's it's really great to eat um, but also when you hydrolyze that protein that means you kind of chop it up Um, The extract that you get is actually clinically proven to improve the the texture and tone of skin um, and hair. So we've used that in our moisturizers. So that's, uh, we've got the hemp seed oil, hydrolyzed hemp seed extract, and then the cannabis roots, which have fritillin and are anti-inflammatory. So the cannabis roots then kind of soothe skin, they soothe any inflammation. If you've got redness, uh, rosacea, um, it will help to soothe and, and condition mm-hmm. skin. And would you say that with oils specifically, is that something that you can use both morning and night? Or is that, would you say hemp oil is a bit thicker of a consistency that would be more so suited for nighttime? So I personally use it morning and night, um, but I've been using this system for eight years and my skin's really used to it. But I will tell you that women who have never used an oil cleanser and have never used an oil serum and have started using Impuri, they within a week notice a difference in their skin and will use the serum morning and night. Now in the summer, you don't need as much of it, but here we are, you know, winter is amazingly around the mm-hmm. corner uh, and an oil serum is wonderful all over for uh, in the winter to help with cracked dry hands and feet and elbows and it's really great on your face as well. and you know with the cannabis industry I think you know we're seeing that it is ever-changing especially policies around cannabis in Canada and the U.S. it's hard for you know a lot of people to give definitive answers because Maybe in a few months from now, things will change, ad policies will change, et cetera. But when it comes to the skincare industry with cannabis, where do you see that going in the next five years? And what are you most excited about? 
so um, excited about everything. I, I get excited about new lipstick. So I'm you know, <laughs> super excited about uh, being a part of the cannabis industry. If I looked last year, uh, Ulta Beauty is a, is a big kind of indie beauty company in the U.S. It started a bit in Canada. They had a handful mm-hmm. of SKUs that were either hemp or cannabis sativa 12 months ago. We looked today, we did another analysis of their SKU listing, and I think there were 370 hits of hemp product and uh, 77, anyway, dozens and dozens that that are called cannabis sativa. So there is a shift happening. Companies are recognizing, number one, the benefits of cannabis seed oil and cannabis extracts, but two, wanting to kind of get into this whole cannabis industry. So um, whether it's called a hemp seed oil or a cannabis seed oil in five years, I'm not sure which one is going to stick in the industry. But what I do know is going to happen is that CBD will continue to grow in the U.S. The the regulations are very different, as I'm sure you know. In the U.S., you can put CBD anywhere. In Canada, you cannot. CBD oil and CBD skincare products uh, legally can only be sold in a licensed store. Mm -hmm. There are many stores in Canada that are not licensed that are selling these products and they're gray market products. And I buy them because you can't get them anywhere else. Not legal, but they're certainly there. But I believe in five years that in in Canada, CBD is going to be uh, legal very similarly to what it is in in the U.S. Right. I'm so looking forward to that day because I know cannabis, like you mentioned, has so many benefits. And I've learned so much from just our conversation today. So if, you know, someone were to try Imperi, what is the one product that you'd want them to try first? So um, Imperi launched with our three-step skincare system, and it really is three obscure products. So it's an oil cleanser. It's a DIY vitamin C toner. You actually mix it yourself so that it's always fresh. And then it's an oil-based serum. So that line um, is a little, it, it takes a little bit of education and it's a little hard to get used to. So is that that's probably not the best first product to try. I would love it if everybody did try it because it's an amazing system. But we did just launch um, a green, free of all the dirty dozen, free of harmful chemicals, a green um, skin cream. It's a, called a holistic hydration cream. It has um, hemp seed oil. It has the hydrolyzed cannabis seed extract. It has hyaluronic acid. Um, and it's just a really accessible, beautiful, lightly scented, gentle facial cream. And if you were to try one product, I would say that is the product to try. Um, we are next week launching um, three cold-pressed hemp soaps. And I'm super excited about them because they they have the hydrolyzed cannabis seed extract and hemp seed oil. So they're super nourishing, but they're really green because they're a bar soap, which eliminates Mm -hmm. so much packaging. So that's being launched next week. And we do have a, we've got a um, a hemp face cloth and a hemp cosmetic bag coming out in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm so excited to be sharing all of those products. So I'll definitely link Imperi and those products specifically in the show notes. Before we end things off, I always love to ask two questions. So the first is a pinch me moment in your career. Is there something that, you know, pops up when it comes to a pinch me moment that you've had in your career? 
So I've had a few, um, but one in particular that is such a sweet memory for me. Um, when I was working on the pilot study for my first startup, First Annabelle, I had three little boys at home. And I remember the day that I walked into Remark in London, Ontario, and I had um, mm-hmm. my youngest, a baby in a stroller, and I had a toddler hanging onto the stroller. And I went in with a box of salad dressing, and I found the grocery manager. And this was the first store that I went into. And I showed him the dressings, and I gave him my pitch. I told him the features and benefits, and I asked him if he would carry it. And he said yes. And I was wow. like... I like I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this now. <laughs> it was it was a remarkable moment for me because I had put so much work into this. And it was that realization that somebody was willing to pay for this product, which was pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, that was a pretty special Oh, moment. that's so amazing. And that's so it's always so great to hear when I ask that question, the answers that, you know, everyone has that's been on my podcast, it really just solidifies that hard work and just continuously going after what you're passionate about truly just works out in the end if it's for you. The last question is any advice that you have received in your career that you continue to take with you? So I have honestly received so much great advice through my career. Um, And I continue to be amazed that, you know, at 51, I still am receiving incredible advice and learning. And this advice came to me less than a year ago. And man, do I wish I had had it 20 years ago. Um, But it was manage your energy, not your time. And what that did for me was it, it it helped me to look at my day and to kind of analyze how my energy went up and down through the day. So I'm a, I'm a morning person. I have energy in the morning <laughs> and um, I, my energy dwindles in the afternoon. And so I looked at in my work day, what feeds me energy, what bring, gives me energy and what kind of drains my energy. So the draining is the the that filling out forms and approving reports and, you know, doing profit and loss statements. So I keep my mornings open now. I do not plan any meetings in the morning and I do all of my administrative writing, creative, the stuff that I need to focus on really hard. And what fills me is talking to people. So I set all of my meetings for the afternoon when my energy is low and that kind of Builds me back up again. Um, and I restructured my day about a year ago and I've kept pretty close to that. I do not schedule any meetings in the morning and it's been a bit of a game changer for my product. Right. Now that's really important. And I have heard, you know, other women kind of talking about something similar of if you do have, for example, a high energy day, then, you know, you have a list of tasks to do for the week. So, you know, do as much as you can when you do have higher energy and maybe tomorrow, if your energy is a little bit lower, you're not as pressed to get those things done and you're giving yourself a little bit more grace. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, it was so lovely, Jennifer, getting to know, you know, more about your background and career and Imperi. And, you know, I really just want to thank you for your time and sharing all of the pieces of advice and, you know, nuggets that you have to share with us today. 
Well, you're welcome. It's been a delight. You uh, do an incredible job. This has been um, a real pleasure. 